The Gospel according to Matthew, the first chapter. Glory to you, Lord. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus, the Gospel of the Lord. His beloved was with child, and he did not know who the father was. He just knew it wasn't him. Would he give in to temptation, shame her, be vindictive, hunt down the father, seek revenge? Unfortunately, he did give in to temptation, and he made it his mission to hunt down and destroy the father slowly poisoning him. Society had shamed the woman, forcing her to wear the letter A on her chest. I'm speaking, of course, about Hester from the Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Have any of you read that? My son is in high school, and he had to read it this year. And so at Thanksgiving, we were all saying, oh, yeah, we remember reading the Scarlet Letter in high school. And then we realized it had been 20 or 30 years and we had forgotten even the basic plot line. And so my son frustratingly said, oh, you guys don't even remember what the story was. The dad was a minister, remember? And all we could remember was Hester's shame wearing that scarlet letter A. And I forgot that she had embroidered it with gold thread and become fine, kind of a famous seamstress in town where people would pay her to do her beautiful stitching. Well, Hester's jealous husband acts in a very predictable way. It's human nature to seek revenge. And then his revenge grows into a cruel obsession. And if you remember, he befriends the minister who is the father of the baby and becomes like a physician to him and builds trust and moves in with him. But then he's gathering poisonous herbs and slowly poisoning the man who made his wife pregnant. And so this young, healthy, single minister is slowly becoming really infirm and sick. And the story, well, you'll just have to read it again if you don't remember, <laughs> because it was really good. It was very interesting to read it again. But 
what Hester's husband does is human nature, unbridled. If we're just left to our own devices, that w- that's what we do. Our brains kind of go into revenge mode, and it takes on this obsessive loop that is very hard to get back out of. That's why every Sunday we gather and we pray, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. We pray that every Sunday in the Lord's Prayer. How does God deliver us from evil into good? Unlike Hester's husband in the novel, Joseph in real life is able to resist temptation, and he will not shame Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was found to be with child, and scripture tells us Joseph was a righteous man, unwilling to expose Mary to public disgrace, so he planned to dismiss her quietly. And he could have had her stoned, he could have had her shamed and killed if he had wanted to. That would have been justified by the law of that day. But he was a righteous, upright person, and he did not want to do that. He resisted human nature, and he's just planning to quietly let her go and deal with the pregnancy on her own. Until an angel speaks to him in a dream. And the angel explains that the child is from the Holy Spirit. And Joseph will be his legal adoptive father, and as the father will get to name the baby, and the Holy Spirit says, name the baby Jesus, because this will be the savior of all the people to save them from their sins. Now Joseph is a devout believer in the one true God. He knew the Jewish scriptures. He was waiting for the Messiah to come, and he probably expected a Davidic king to come down from heaven in a chariot with fire, with regal stallions, a warrior king ready to conquer. Kind of like the reverse of Elijah and the chariot of fire going up to heaven, the Messiah was expected to come back down in a chariot to conquer everyone, get the land back, and protect everyone as a strong man. So the angel explains in a dream that this Emmanuel who's coming is God with us. And then Joseph wakes up and, amazingly, does what the angel told him to do. He's led by the Holy Spirit into good, which helps save us all. How did God deliver Joseph from a very natural, evil temptation to shame Mary into doing good? Now we can think, well, Joseph was righteous. That's what scripture says. He must have been superhuman, somebody really special to be Jesus' adoptive father. We might also think, I wish an angel would talk to me in a dream. Do you have that feeling? When I hear these stories, I'm like, oh, that's so unfair. It's clear as day in a dream. All they have to do is wake up and do it. God, could you be that clear with me? I would love to have a dream where everything is just spelled out. We can also think, well, maybe Joseph was just lucky. How are we supposed to figure out what God wants us to do with our lives? We don't have those clear clear dreams. If you do, I would like to know about it. Every Sunday we pray again and again, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. Joseph was a regular guy who practiced his faith and let the Holy Spirit use him. There was nothing superhuman or particularly special about him. Joseph and Mary's consent is a good example of sanctification. That's kind of a fancy word, but it's a good term. 
Sanctification means being a saint because the Holy Spirit is using you. Sanctification means saying yes when God calls. Sanctification means letting God use you for the greater good. You become sanctified in that moment, in that day of your life. Later today at the second service, we'll receive new members to our church and we'll gather together to light the Advent wreath again on this last Sunday of Advent. We join churches and gather together because we know we're not superhuman. We understand human temptation to shame others and seek revenge. And not only do we want to avoid evil, but we want God to use us for good whenever and wherever possible. We want to resist temptation and we want to be sanctified. We welcome sanctification. So we gather at church every Sunday to worship God. And we pray for God to lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil and then sanctify us to use us for good. And when we gather here, what we learn is compassion and God's command to care for the widow, the orphan, and the foreigner. We practice taking care of others. We practice taking care of ourselves. And we live in community to find Emmanuel, God with us, the one who refreshes our hearts and makes us new. Amen.